0: Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte.
1: Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are talking all about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7, the finale episode of Season 1. And it was called In the Name of Honor. It aired
0: on February 9th, 2022. It was directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Jon Favreau. So, Caitlin, what did you think of the episode?
1: Number one, I just want to say that I love the title. It feels so Boba Fett and yeah. Mandalorian. And I just, I have this running joke on my Twitter about Boba and Din talking about honor. It's so funny to me. And the fact that this episode was called In the Name of Honor, it just kind of made me laugh. Like they're always talking about honor, but then they're both like, they're bounty hunters, they're crime lords. I like just it's so funny which you know is a very mob thing like loyalty honor for the family you know all of that stuff but i had to laugh Um, totally i thought this episode was really fun it was very much an action-packed episode i think we knew it would be it had a lot of great standout moments in it um, especially between i think for me my standouts were boba fett and cad bean and then also of course din and grogu's reunion those were some of my favorite moments in the episode
0: Me too. I really liked this episode. It surprised me because I have not been shy on the podcast about being not fully invested in like episodes that are going to be big battles or it all comes down to a huge battle. But I really felt like it made a lot of sense for this episode to have sort of a small scale battle in this town that we now know so well because of this series and it really kept me on my toes. I felt like it was really well plotted. And I don't know if that makes sense, but I I really enjoyed it. And I think this was Robert's best episode for me, at least. Uh, and I think it was, I don't know, it was just a really enjoyable adventure to me from start to finish. It felt really long in a good way. Mm-hmm. It felt like there were so many different components. It was twisty. It was fun. The tension was really there for me also. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really liked it it landed for me. I think it was a good ending and I could have watched another episode about this too.
1: Yeah, I absolutely could. I think, yeah, I'm with you that the, the shootout battle episode of, of anything and Mandalorian kind of did this too, but they're usually not my favorite. Like, Episode two is still my favorite of the season. Mm -hmm. It just is so Mm -hmm. trippy and weird. And you guys know that that is our favorite thing. So this definitely wasn't my favorite episode of the season. But I think it was a good finale in what I hope is another season, if that makes sense. I think they laid a lot of foundation for a lot of really interesting plot threads at the beginning of this season, particularly in episodes two and three, I think. And I hope that we get to see those wrapped up a little bit more substantially in the future, because we did kind of take this, you know, pretty big detour or interlude, whatever you want to call it, with Din and Grogu. And I love those episodes. And I think they make sense when we see Grogu's role in episode seven here. So I I understand the choice. It still feels like an odd choice to be quite honest, but I'm here. I'm here for the long ride. You know what I mean? Like I (laughs) fully anticipate a season two and I still fully anticipate Boba Fett bringing water back to Tatooine. Like I think all the pieces were laid for that. Um, Those are really interesting pieces to me. So I hope we do get to revisit them um, and take a more, Uh, Or continue, I should say, this more kind of like mythological, symbolic look at Boba Fett and his role on Tatooine and like his personal feelings about all of it and everything, you know, his life with the Tuscans and everything like that. I hope we get to return to that because I found all of that so fascinating and so interesting. And I do feel like some of that was dropped um, as we got to the back half of the season through our stories with Din and Grogu and then also kind of ending on this big battle set piece of an episode with the finale. Um, so I really hope we get to return to those pieces because I found them so great. That being said, like, I mean, you guys heard, we love the episodes with Luke and Grogu and Din. Those are really compelling in and of themselves and for the mythology of the Mandalorian and the Mandoverse at large. So I think, like I said, and like we've been talking about, I think in a couple years, when we look back at this like box set of the Mandoverse, I think we'll see a lot of these threads more interconnected than some of them might appear now. And I know that there's been no confirmation of a season two yet with Boba Fett. And I even saw Ming Wen tweets either today or yesterday about she doesn't know anything about a season two. But I don't know. There's going to be a season two, right? <laughs> I feel like there is. I I don't know.
0: There, I want to make a note here and say that something I really liked because I'm with you and that there's a lot of things that were laid as a foundation, but I also think that things were wrapped up also. Like I, I feel satisfied by the end of this episode. I want a season two, but I feel like it was a solid season, a good beginning and a new like rebirth for Boba Fett. And I also found the episode really funny. I thought that there were so many things that were just really, really good moments of levity while also I was, like, stressed during it, too, because I thought the tension was there. And I just want to mention that because I think that maybe we needed to end on this note that was both filled with tension and also joyful. Like, the the episode ended with the crew that we have now, like, grown with a little bit, I guess, um, laughing and sort of joking (laughs) about a Melu And I, I was like, this is so great. This is why I like Star Wars, I think, is these moments of, like, true tragedy, these moments of epicness, I guess, and tension and awesome action sequences, but then also that at the end when the whole gang is together and they're just laughing over fruit and a giant Wookiee. It's so good. <laughs> and I have to be honest, like, I just, I don't know. I, at the end of that, I was like, man, you know, I really enjoyed this series. It was small scale and I it surprised me about how much I liked the the twisty turns that it took.
1: Yeah, I have to say this episode really did keep me on my toes and the humor in it. The humor throughout all of this book of Boba Fett we've talked about has been such a lovely surprise of the series and that was absolutely continued in the finale. The, yeah, the ending shot, it, it felt almost like a little sitcom or like the end of like the heist <laughs> movie where like, everyone kind of shows up at the town sent the center of town or like their old stomping grounds I'm like oh well what do we do now like what's the next thing exactly. you know <laughs> and the camera zooms out above it was it was and you know i i'm glad that we have this kind of happy ending and i mean <laughs> boba fett was so smiley as he's walking down the street <laughs> it was really fun to see um so, yeah, the humor in the Book of Boba Fett has been such a treat. Honestly, so many laugh out. Loud. I mean, oh my god, even the Lepdroid was there at the end. I know. <laughs> okay. The whole crew is there. Oh, the gang's all there. You know who's not there?
0: Who? Oh, the okay. R.I.P. I know. There,
1: <laughs> this whole season, Charles has been like, I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I don't trust. And then you, you, you said, I think we can trust the other citizens. <laughs> of tattooing <laughs> i know i was so wrong but that i like that i was wrong about
0: that like, that what? one by the way no they're totally gonna betray yeah. us
1: gamorreans good other town people bad
0: <laughs> i'm happy that i was wrong about that because then i don't know boba convinced me that i would you know he was right that boba, they wouldn't betray They, yeah no
1: <laughs> i know it just it was a no i me. um i had this like viral tweet about the gamorreans <laughs> About, like, basically, you know, saying R.I.P. to the Gamorreans uh, on Twitter, and people started leaving all these bacon emojis. I'm so sad. <laughs> it's just really rough. <laughs> <It's so> rough. <laughs> and, like, the emoji for the pig snout next to gravestone. <laughs> 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 it was. There were also a lot of nice messages and like people like actually being sad about the Gamorians, like I am. But the number of people who loved bacon emojis was a little <laughs> alarming. It's and very also, on the nose quite, was very on yeah. the nose. It was, <laughs> it was quite funny too, but I wanted to share that because I've been tracking with them this whole season, and literally again. Picture me, six forty five in the morning, them falling off a cliff, me falling off the couch. It was poetry, it rhymes. This like almost comical <laughs> cliff fall. I was they, like, they oh were, no. They were, they were so
0: loyal. <laughs> they died loyal. And I'm I was so wrong. And I love that.
1: <laughs> they were just blown by the shipyard, right? And then all of a sudden they're on the edge of a cliff. It was, it's rough. it was very rough. Um, yeah. And then I also, one of my favorite other moments was when uh, Chris Anton like stumbles back and Boba is helping him behind their little barricade with the Freetown people. And he's like, I must admit I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I owe you a nice long soak in the back to take.
0: I like how Boba is just doling out this back to tank, <laughs> right. like a community bath. And, <laughs>
1: Like I a have Roman to, bathhouse. I'm like
0: Boba, let's buy another one. Okay. She just needs like a jacuzzi
1: we, of it. Right.
0: <laughs> let's get, let's make it bigger. Let's turn your bedroom into a like a bathhouse, bath house. a back to bathhouse.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Just his delivery of that. Tomorrow's delivery of that was so um I don't know, it was just done so perfectly, it made me laugh. I must admit, yeah, Santo, I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: so good. Tim Ditch does a good job with this role. Oh, it's just gosh. he was so great, and it was it was a reminder that we spent two episodes without him in this episode because I was yeah. like, Ugh, I love him, but I also I really loved Din too. So I just want to say that that I have this has been a wake up call for how much I love the character of Din for me. <laughs> so when they have, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But when when they have their little chat in the burn down sanctuary. I was like, this is so good. Din and Boba, I need more of them. Even when they were uh, fighting side by side, I hope this isn't the last time they support each other.
1: They were just like, let me unleash every single weapon I've got hidden in on my on my person. From the knees. <laughs> the knee. Whistling the birds. I was
0: like, the wow, we're going birds. with whistling birds. I was back, like, this is serious. Back, baby. Yeah.
1: <laughs> those take a, I'm sure those take a lot to like load up, you know?
0: <laughs> well, they're very rare. Yeah. So I, I – at least that's the impression that I got from the Mandalorian was that you only use them when you really need them and man, they're awesome. They're so cool. (laughs)
1: The knee ones, though, really got me. I'm sure other people know that they're there. I've forgotten that they were there. And he just, like, knelt down on one knee. I was like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, blasting out from his kneecaps.
0: Yeah, it was one of those, <laughs> wow, this is awesome. Star Wars is awesome <laughs> kind of moments. <laughs> they <were> so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, okay, so basically the moment, maybe, like, 12 hours after this episode aired on – on Disney Plus, the Kenobi poster was revealed. So I just don't want to forget about this show now that we're shifting into Kenobi mode, which I'm totally here for. But it's funny how Star Wars, like, can't promote things at the same time. And it's like, season ends. Let's move on to the next one. I mean, and I was, I'm here for it. I was, but, I was
1: surprised, honestly. I was yeah. like, maybe we should give Boba, like, 24 hours. i sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Totally, this, totally. Is, and is I know it was title. probably because, yeah, I know it was probably because of the um, earnings call that was happening yeah. at the same time. But still, it was like, whoa, okay, we're moving on and I'm not ready. Yeah, <laughs> That's why we're here talking about it today.
1: Yeah, I was away from my phone and I, I came back and Charlotte's called me like three times. She's like, where are you? It's
0: time to stare at a
1: poster. <laughs> <laughs> and stare at Obi-Wan coming towards us across the sands of Tatooine. <laughs> from one
0: Tatooine story to another.
1: It's kind of comical. <laughs> That's Star Wars for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, we're not done talking about the Book of Boba Fett. In fact, next week we're going to do a Q&A episode. I had talked about and brought this up with Caitlin about how we like doing Q&A episodes. It's a good way to talk to you guys about what you have on your mind and things like that. And we only do them in the beginning of the year with our uh, anniversary episode. And I think that we're going to start doing them for the TV series. So next week we're, gonna, we're going to do that. So if you have any questions that you want us to discuss about the book of Boba Fett, please email us at hello at skytalkers.com by Tuesday, the 15th of February. Um, yeah. So excited about that. So I just wanted to share that, that we're going to have one more Boba Fett episode <laughs> out next week. <laughs>
1: yeah. We used to do Q&A episodes or Q&A sections a little more frequently, yeah. I think a couple years ago, but it's been a while since. We've done, I think, like a dedicated Q&A episode that's not just about us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this will be fun. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Me too.
0: Okay, let's dive in to the episode, this finale of The Book of Boba Fett. Let's start. We're going to go sort of chronologically, but I'm sure we'll jump around. So, ruins of the sanctuary. I cannot believe that everyone is actually dead or the sanctuary is over. I really held on a little bit of hope for the sanctuary to survive a little bit at least but man this thing is burnt to a crisp which includes garza and i'm Mm. i'm really shocked by that pretty disappointed to be honest and maybe she's not dead but yeah i uh but she is because the mayor said so but we didn't see a body so i don't know never know with star wars
1: it's true it's true (laughs) yeah it was sad um i feel like We speculated that there would be something more going on here, and there wasn't.
0: (laughs) really was a red herring. A big red herring. And I know the name The Sanctuary, like, when I think about people like Robert, John, and Dave discussing the series and sort of plotting it all out on a big whiteboard saying, we're going to start here, we're going to end here, we're going to end with Boba maintaining control of Tatooine, assuming the role that Jabba and Bib assumed before, but instead in a new renewed sense of prosperity, and people are going to like Boba Fett ruling Tatooine. And it'll represent a sense of rebirth for him. So how do we get from point A, where he comes back from the Sarlacc, to Z? And filling all that in and making all these different set pieces, it makes sense to me that there would be a sort of center of the town that wasn't the mayor's office I guess like <laughs> like I sort of I don't know the mayor's office was a great set piece but I think the sanctuary sort of represented the people and where people gathered and everything so the moment when when that was blown up I mean it's pretty to me it's pretty obvious that that was sort of representative of how the the people of the town want a sense of like no violence anymore so then when that was restored when, like, the town was restored by Boba Fett, they would be happy about that at the end, you know? It makes sense that this set piece would blow up, but I still thought there would be more there, and there wasn't. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think it's a storyline that could have been kind of propped up more if we hadn't had those two episodes away, you know? It feels like that would have easily been slotted in as either Garza is you know, working for Boba and Fennec or working against them. And it, everything would have kind of come back to this point. I think the name Sanctuary implies something like that symbolism, right, that you were talking about, Charlotte. But I don't know if the series really kind of followed through on it as much as it could have, perhaps. Um, which is a shame, I think, because it is such. it was such a cool set piece to have this really kind of like luxe, place inside Tatooine something we're definitely not used to um but it certainly also kind of lays the groundwork for there being other kind of luxurious and you know fancy places on Tatooine it's not just all sand i will say it reminded me a lot of the end of season one of the mandalorian where they're all in the the restaurant the club the bar uh where they met with the client for the first time and gideon and the rest of the empire are outside um and it's this shootout of trying to figure out how they're going to escape exactly and of course that's the great moment where we have Din and Grogu and the fire and all of that so it it was kind of reminiscent of that but I thought it was interesting to see them kind of figure out a new way to escape from this situation and of course I just Din and Boba again talking about honor and I gotta love Din you know in the middle of all of this he's like reminding everyone that the town is called Freetown now (laughs) (laughs) he takes a pause to be like oh yeah it's Freetown now actually they picked a new name and everyone's like okay cool got it (laughs) And what I love too is that even Cad Bane calls it Freetown, <laughs> which I would not, I would expect Cad Bane to be like, I could care less what your town is called. It's about honor, Kim. It is so. a, it's about honor. In
0: the name of In honor. In the name it applies of to honor. It's
1: just, it's just so funny. Like everything that's going on, it's like, well, let's make sure that we all remember I like it, though. the town it's is renamed. It is. It was really yeah. good. And, you know, Dylan it is very considerate. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was exactly. funny, just like this light pause. It's called Freetown, actually.
0: Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the politics that were presented in the episode, because I think now we're here with the sanctuary and everything. Let's shift gears to, again, how we kind of thought that there would probably be something more, but we do find out that the Pikes ordered the massacre of the Tuscans to make it look like the speeder biking. And this makes sense to me because of the Sort of tariff that Boba ordered for the Pikes to pay when they were passing through. And obviously, they're not going to do that. So they turned to violence instead. And then, obviously, that would uh, kick off a full scale war <laughs> on the planet. So, um, makes sense because Star Wars is about taxation routes and uh, <laughs> tariffs. So <laughs>
1: it's true. I think
0: I just want to ask like, we now find out that the Pikes, the syndicate, are the main villain of the show, and how do we feel about that? Because now they've been vanquished, they're going to leave Tatooine. They're it's they've moved on, right? But we've known the Pikes for a while in the Clone Wars, in Solo, and in a lot of different places. What about in this series? What did it make sense for them to be a villain? And if this series has a season two? are they going to continue being a villain or is it going to be a different type of adventure?
1: Mm, If a season two, I don't know if they'll be the same villain. I think they've kind of left Tatooine for now. I think it makes sense to ultimately have the reveal be that they actually ordered the massacre of the Tuskins. I think that makes them a lot more formidable because you look back at it now and you're like, oh, they were super conciliatory about paying taxes to one group or the other but in reality they of course don't want to pay taxes to anyone um so i think it makes sense for them to have kind of figured all of this out in a way to get rid of the problem with the tuscans knowing that they have the mayor in their back pocket also it was so great to see the mayor. I was so glad he didn't actually leave Tatooine. Me too. Much Me too. <laughs> kind of uh, against what the Major Jomo had said, but I was really glad to see him. I think the mayor is such a cool character, and he walked that line of... Uh, you know, of course, colluding with the Pikes and everything that's happening, but also being really bummed about it. too. (laughs) He was sad (laughs) that the sanctuary got blown up. He didn't want to blow up any more of the town. Um, You know, he keeps saying that he's the mayor of Mas It's clear that it wasn't solely about money for him, that he did actually have some emotional attachment to the town and to his people. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You get a sense that there was a coercion element with the mayor and the pikes, which again makes sense because the pikes, it just makes the pikes even more of a villain for sort of taking over this planet. And maybe there was a possibility that Boba would have been able to work with the mayor, but obviously now everyone's dead. (laughs) That, let's talk about a violent scene. The way that the the mayor died by oh, Fennec's hand yeah, okay. was savage. It was I was shocked, really, that that
1: so, was like it. So was yeah. 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 Her shooting through the skylights was super cool. But then yeah, I was like, oh was... man, get it, girl. And then with the mayor, I was like, Whoa, girl. Yeah, I,
0: I was like, this is really serious. <laughs> like, okay, cool. And then it was just cool, a, cool. <laughs> it was a real reminder for me that Fennec is an assassin mm-hmm. and she will go to she
1: like
0: do it. she can do it. And yeah. it's it's drastic lengths to get there. I mean, fully by the end of it, when Fennec kills everybody who's in power there, who has that little, that honestly quite small little clubhouse that they're in.
1: (laughs) It really is. It's like a hideout. In terms of set
0: pieces. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was teeny. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I, I was like, okay, so to answer my own question, will we see them again? I don't really know if the, I think that maybe the rest of the pikes are going to be pissed, but I don't know if they're going to be the main villain. Maybe they'll come back a little bit, but not fully.
1: Yeah, I definitely think we'll see them as well, if not in the next kind of Mandoverse installment, definitely throughout other iterations of Star Wars. The crime syndicates are kind of everywhere now, so it would make sense to see them again. And they're still a formidable group, so just because they kind of have this setback here on Tatooine – that's just one element of their reputation and they've got a lot of other fish to fry. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I think there was an establishment that happened in this show. Like if we can think big picture of Boba protecting a location, like this is his role now from the outside force that we, as the star Wars fan audience know is extremely evil, right? <laughs> that uh, deals with a, a, in a lot of violence, in slavery, in drugs, I guess, right? And the fact that Boba was able, with the help of friends, obviously, uh, fend them off, I think that it makes sense for this, for them to be the villain here. It also, for me, like, it's a a small-scale story. Like, I think that at the heart of The Book of Boba Fett, there was a sense of... OK, so we're, we're going to spend a little bit of time with Boba on Tatooine and we're going to explore what it's like to have sort of a turf war of um, of resources. And what is that going to do for Boba's character? How is that going to progress him forward? Who is he now that he's back from the Sarlacc pit? And like he can't just he's he's over being a bounty hunter. What happens to bounty hunters when they don't want to do it anymore? What happens to that sort of uh, charisma that, you know, Cad Bain calls him a killer. And I think that there's there's this understanding that he's not a killer anymore, but he has this sense of duty, I guess an honor, right? In the name of honor. <laughs> there, <laughs> um, it it, there it is. There it is. To make his life meaningful after he returns from the Sarlacc pit. So again, it makes sense to me that there would be like referential villain that we know of in the Star Wars universe, but one that can be vanquished so that Boba can have the upper hand.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think the the comparison between Boba and Cad was so great throughout this episode. And it's funny, like yeah. we're kind of talking about the Pikes here as the villain, but for me, it was Cad Bane 100%. He was the one that mm-hmm. I was scared of. It was like, I always kind of knew that Boba would get the upper hand on the pikes and, and Fennec too. And, and ultimately Fennec is the one that got the upper hand on the pikes. Like she, you know, cut the head off the snake. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, like it's CAD. That was the one that I was quote unquote scared of the scenes with tension about who would actually like, what would be the outcome of this scene? That was with CAD. And, I just the gravitas of him on screen. I still think he was done so 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 well in the book of Boba Fett, and I'm bummed that he appears to be gone from us now. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think the way I I thought it was a good choice to bring him in, and uh, thinking about like Boba's motivations now and everything like that, he they had such interesting conversations and um, kind of going off of what you were just talking about, Charlotte, where cad tells boba that he's going soft and boba says we all do and i thought that was such an interesting line honestly Mm -hmm. of we all go soft when in our old age yeah yeah and yeah i think cad's line was you're going soft in your old age boba or something like that and boba responds by saying we all do and i'm like Bane is older than you and he Absolutely has not gone soft. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think it was just, I don't know. I kind of liked that it was this acceptance from Boba Fett. Like he's not, Boba Fett isn't pretending to be something he's not. He is aware that he has different priorities now. And he's aware that he acts differently now too. Um, And he's consciously aware of that. I think through that line of we all do, he knows that he's gone soft. And he doesn't see a problem with it. Which I think is is really cool for, you know, a character like Boba Fett, the bounty hunter.
0: I totally agree. And I think this gives us an opportunity to talk about Boba Fett and compare him to Cad Bane because they're both bounty hunters. I think that when you have watched The Clone Wars, you know that they have a history that both of them are like part of a group of bounty hunters that make a lot of appearances in the Clone Wars throughout the seven seasons. Um, And he's, he becomes a familiar character, a pretty iconic character and one of like Dave Filoni's favorites. And I think that if we wanted to talk about how the show really builds upon Boba's past and makes us and like forces us to think about what his future is, what trauma lies beneath what he even mentions this, what scars can be healed and what scars can't be healed. I think it's really good that they brought Cad Bane in to as a point of comparison here, just to say, I think that every character who is basically brought to the forefront of this show was a really interesting comparison point to Boba. Like from from Din to Luke, we've talked about the dad comparisons, but I think here it's, it's helpful for us to think about Cad Bane and Boba and their history as bounty hunters together. It seems like, like you said, Cad Bane has not gone soft in his old age. He has remained steadfast on his path to be a killer. A bounty hunter to do jobs for crime families, and that's what he's done for years. I'm not a Cad Bane expert, but unlike our friend Savannah, who's devastated, she told us to tell tell our listeners <laughs> that she's very sad. So, uh, which I understand completely, but I think that there's an interesting ca- parallel here of how cad is someone who walked the path of the bounty hunter role for so long and now he ended up dead and now boba fett is making a left turn and doing everything in the name of honor okay and (laughs) uses that Gavi stick that he that we had such an unbelievably gorgeous scene of boba building it was so symbolic at the end with the dance and everything finally killing cad once and for all i guess. with that to represent that his family that I don't know, it was just it was it was so perfect for me. That was sort of proof that Boba has moved away from what it means to like do jobs for crime families into building his own type of family that uh, is built on respect. Like he said, you know, he wants to reign with respect, rule with respect. And that is not Cad Bane at all. He's definitely the opposite of boba fett especially in this moment
1: yeah i really loved that it was ultimately the weapon from the tuscans that boba used to get the upper hand on cat it really it is like it's almost over the top with the symbolism of it right and it's like the things you carry with you from the people who made you essentially and that it was this the something that had come from such a pure and beautiful place of Boba's time with the Tuscans that saved him in the end, that it was family and community that saved him from Cadbane in the end. And yeah, I just, the, I, that whole, the second standoff scene I thought was so great. I literally held my breath the entire time. I, the conversations between them, I thought Tem did such a great job that I could really feel him, I could really feel Boba Fett having that crisis of confidence, I think a little bit, especially when Cad Bane rips his helmet off and he's on the ground and he's like, I'm not a little boy anymore, but it's like telling himself more than he's telling Cad, you know what I mean? Um, I just thought that that whole sequence was just performed beautifully by Tem, and really seeing him finally get the upper hand on Cad Bane, knowing they have this history together and, there's always that like great kind of continuation of like mentorship in Star Wars that we see, of course, through the Jedi and through many other iterations. But we also see it here a little bit, like with uh, Boba and Cad, when Cad Bane is like, let me teach you one final lesson, you know. And that was a phrase we heard a lot in Rebels. It's a phrase we heard in The Last Jedi. It's it's not a new phrase in Star Wars by any means. But to see it kind of have this very sinister angle to it uh, was, was, was chilling. Like I said, Cad Bane for me was the one where I was like, I literally don't know what's going to happen next. I did also mm-hmm. want to say I thought it was pretty funny actually when Kevin goes, what's your angle? And the camera immediately shifts like underneath him <laughs> at this really intense angle. And then it does the same for both <laughs>
0: <laughs> very obvious.
1: I was like, "All right, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> What's your angle?" And then we're at like you know a very optimal, a different yeah angle. a different angle. <laughs> um, the only other thing I wanted from these scenes with Cad and Boba um, was I wanted Cad to say something to Fennec. I really did. Like, Do you remember when Mal and Ahsoka met in Rebels and he called her Lady Tano and we were mm-hmm. all clued in that they had met before and mm-hmm. had this great standoff and we were all like, whoa, what? Um, I really thought we were going to get something like that, like even just like a one line of Cad to Fennec, like, oh, is this what you're doing now? You know, like it's been a while. Just something like that I would have loved because... Cad and Fennec's duel in the Bad Batch is such top-tier action sequence in Star Wars. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> and I would have loved for them to have referenced it.
0: I totally agree. I really do wish that there was more references to the Bad Batch. I think that you and I both really thought that was going to happen. Um, I Again, I, I never really thought Omega was going to show up because I, felt, I feel like that meeting is supposed to happen in the Bad Batch, in Omega's own show versus this show. But... I I still think that we could have gotten more, and I think that's a really good example of something that we could have gotten more. I also want to comment that this standoff between Boba and Cad Bane is basically recycled from this, these Clone Wars arcs that were never made. This was one that wasn't included in the Season 7 finishing of the Clone Wars that happened in 2020. Uh, this instead was a different sort of story about mentorship, I think, like Caitlin mentions. And I don't know. It's interesting to see it here. I think that people who are Cad Bane fans really were like, okay, they're either going to reference this or they're going to figure out a way to work this in. And they basically did. Standoffs are, I don't know. I feel like this makes a lot of sense for this.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it did. But yeah, I. speaking of Omega, I, <laughs> I was so... Uh, ridiculous and thinking that it was her in the back to tank at the end of the episode. I just, I'm
0: so, con- it's funny how I'm hearing, I'm hearing how so many people didn't realize that it was, uh, uh, Cobb wow. Vanth right away. I, no. and I, I really did. I was like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Cool. Okay,
1: I did it. Well, we on. first saw the back to tank. <laughs> well, okay. So first we get Chris Anton, we see him at the end of the episode. I'm like, oh, he's better. He's not in the back to tank. And then we go and we, you know, we've got the long shot leading into the back to tank. And I was like, oh my God, is it Cad Bane? In the back to tank. That was my first thought. And then I just saw the blonde hair and I was like, it's Omega. And then I was like, wait, why would it be Omega? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then at that point, the credits were rolling and I was like, wait, wait, who's in there? <laughs> <I had> <laughs> rewind. It's like, oh, it's. Cobb, got got it, got okay, cool. That tracks.
0: <laughs> do you think there would ever be a future in which Cadbane was rescued by Boba Fett?
1: Yeah, I do actually. I think it would make sense for Boba to rescue Cadbane, honestly. Because I think that we've been talking about like Boba's character change and all of this and his motivations and it's for family and everything like that. And I don't think that he necessarily wants to be a killer anymore. He was just kind of put in this he was not put in this situation, but he's in this situation with Cad Bane and it is a life or death situation. And I certainly don't want to paint Boba Fett as this like, you know, holier than thou character now and that he's had a complete personality change and is no longer a, a serious threat to people because he he definitely is. But I think that, I don't know, we've seen, we've seen Boba be caring more than we have not in this season, in this series True. so far, whether it's with, you know, the mods or, you know, rescuing Fennec herself, another bounty hunter who was not well, the Tuscans, all of the animals that he's come into contact with this season. Um, We've seen him more often than not be helpful and want to help people than he hasn't. And this is such an interesting shift for him. And I think that, I think, I think part of Boba's maybe like a piece that could be a part of his character growth is by reaching out to Cad Bane and saving him and, you know, giving him another chance in a way. Like, I don't know if I see Cad Bane as a character that is changing or would change, um, have a similar character arc like Boba Fett, but I totally see a situation where Boba actually did save Cad Bane and then just like he did oh and like how could I forget with Anton too he does the same thing he's like it was just a job like why wouldn't he say that to cad bane too because mm-hmm. it was just mm-hmm. a job um exactly so yeah I can totally see that situation
0: yeah I think that would be really powerful also I think that this is a quasi-redemption story it is a redemption story honestly um but I think that when you say redemption in star Wars, there's like two characters that you think of immediately. I just think this is a different kind of one. And it's really cool to see this like underworld side explored and like what that means when that's your past, not in a like forced sense. Like we have um, already explored, I guess.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can we talk about Grogu?
0: (laughs) Yeah. We got to talk about Grogu. (laughs) Obviously. Oh my gosh. This uh, Everything. Like I said, in the beginning of the show, Din is like, he's creeping up to be some of my favorite character and in Star Wars ever. And Grogu obviously is a huge part of it. What did you want to say about Grogu?
1: What didn't I want to say about Grogu? <laughs> <laughs> I loved his arrival onto Tatooine. I thought that Pelly's uh, reading i loved how it was kind of the same one that she gave den like oh look who's here it's the man no yeah. but now it's grogu <laughs> and i also think like she is not a character i expected to have a major role <laughs> in. i did not really like her no in the mandalorian yeah but and
0: now i'm like this is great
1: i'm glad that she's here she's great <laughs> no i loved her in the book of boba fett Um, I thought all of her stuff was so funny, you know, saying she doesn't like Grogu's name. She's not going to call him that when they're in the little chariot and they're running around town. And all of a sudden she's like, hey, guess who's here? (laughs) And Din's reaction was just so pure when she like (laughs) reveals that it's Grogu in in the chariot next to her. He's like, what? It's like instantly dad mode clicks on like I've never I've never been more in love with a man <laughs> like I know. Grogu like jumps into his arms he's like oh my god I like I love you too it's cool but like we're in a bit of a bind right now so <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Grogu clawing at the at the mask like wanting oh, to see god. his face
1: too it just
0: and then and then freaking Dan being like, You got the shirt. So, so soft.
1: The softest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Not the shirt, but the vibe. Yeah, no, the vibe the, the shirt is clearly, you know, Baskar chainmail. Not soft. Yeah. The shirt itself is not soft. Um I kind of I now that I know that it's like underneath his tunic, that is not at all. I imagine that we would just ditch the tunic altogether. So did I. So did I.
0: I thought we were getting a brand new outfit
1: <laughs> <a> chainmail <laughs> outfit with like the green poking. I don't know what I expected, but I actually yeah. think it was probably wise to uh, keep the tunic um, because he, he looked like a little, uh, in my head, it was very medieval and I don't think it would have worked. <laughs>
0: yeah i'm sure they tried it we'll see it in the art of book of boba fett someday i
1: kept but the thing is too i kept imagining i was like well if he has like a little chainmail shirt he's got to have like a little tin hat too you know like like a knight true (laughs) that's what i kept thinking of
0: (laughs) i just think everything about this reunion was perfect i actually really like that it wasn't this really like built up moment. I like that it was happening in the middle of the action. Yeah, I thought that was really a good good choice because I don't know I, I thought it worked for me And I've been thinking a lot about how it does feel a little like quick in terms of a turnar- turnaround between this emotional handing over grogu to Luke, seeing Grogu and Luke interact and train and then Grogu returning to din. I mean, that that happened over the course of three episodes, so we're talking, like, maybe, like, 40 minutes. And I have seen people sort of comment that it seemed really fast and everything, but I just want to reiterate that I actually think this was the right choice, because Caitlyn has, for a long time, talked about how—and I have bought this since the beginning, but I I think her point stands, so I'm just going to say it— has talked about, for a long time, how necessary it is for Din to confront the fact that he loves Grogu. That there's a sense of love there, right, Caitlin? Yeah. And how she was like, I want them to say it. I want there to be an action Listen. that shows it, that is really explicit. Yes, you've you've always said that. And you said, I think it wasn't wasn't until last episode that you were like, I see it. It is explicit, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. In the episode with uh the first episode with it, I think this season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think we needed. Someone who the audience trusts, like Luke Skywalker, to take away Grogu in, a, in a, a choice, like Grogu willingly goes with him. There's not a sense of he's taking him away or anything. There's a sense of we're saying goodbye, we'll see each other again, but this is the choice that you're making right now. And then, of course, he trains with Luke, and Luke presents Grogu with another choice. And he learns a little bit, we talked about this in our last episode, about Grogu maturing and figuring out how to jump and flip and dodge a lot of things. And I think that comes to a head again in this episode, which where I think you get a sense that he is stronger. Right. But I think that it was important for us to be presented with a character that we trust taking away Grogu and then also witnessing how tough that decision would be for Grogu to continue with the Jedi versus going back to his dad and it was pretty explicit to me that Luke would say like a lifetime for I can't remember the exact quote now but the lifetime like for Din. Din's lifetime is obviously a short for Grogu's yeah it's a blip so missing out on that is something I think Luke acknowledges right that's why he said that and that's why he presented the choice that way I don't think that there was anything malicious there I think this is something that uh, Ahsoka uh, encouraged Luke to do right and I think that um it makes sense because Luke himself made a choice to stay with his father like by his father's side anyway I just think it's really important that we acknowledge that it was the right choice for Luke to be the character to take away grogu take away is not the right verbiage but to ha- have this sort of separation between them at this period and then this sort of reunion isn't this isn't this sense of Oh that was for nothing. That was it was good for Grogu to have that experience to rekindle his feeling with the Force again, to remember what that was like because he everything went dark, right? And that had to happen with Luke. And so now he's back with Din, he made that choice himself. He's wearing the armor. We get this sense of, man, they really love each other. They are a clan of two. They are father and son. And this, we needed this drastic example.
1: Yeah, I think the comparison of having, because the last season of Mandalorian was, of course, the separation of Din and Grogu when Grogu was actually kidnapped by Gideon. And it was this race against time, this like fear for Grogu that Din felt, where as at the end of that season, when he makes the choice to go with Luke. It's a different kind of separation. And we see that kind of play out in the last episode of the book of Boba Fett where Din is there, but he doesn't feel like he feels like maybe it's best for Grogu right now if I don't go and talk to him, you know, but and it's that different kind of longing. Like, I don't know the reaction you have, the reaction Din had. In season two, when Grogu was with Gideon, was definitely one of fear, obviously. (laughs) And whereas this one is like one of sadness and longing at their separation. And I think all of that together was just, yeah, making explicit how much Din cares about Grogu. And yeah, him saying in this episode, I missed you too, buddy. Just... Warmed my heart so much. (laughs) And yeah, I think, you know, if we're thinking about these as like books and chapters and all of that, I think the pacing still works because the Mandalorian works by having Din and Grogu together. And that's the conceit of the story is having them together, this like kind of odd pair. Um, So it makes sense to not have their separation be drawn out for, you know, season, a season, two seasons, anything like that. Um because their growth comes together. The everything that like kickstarted their growth as characters was from each other. And I think now they're coming back together kind of better than ever, especially grogu in this sense and l- with his connection to the force, his, you know, I assume a lot of, if not all, of his memories have been, Like unlocked. Uh, He's like Luke has helped him kind of confront a lot of the awful things that happened to him. Maybe not everything yet. I still know that we, as the audience, have a lot to learn about Grogu. I'm not sure how much Grogu himself necessarily remembers quite yet, but it's clear in this episode that he, you know, has a much better handling of the Force. He's still little he's still just a child but he has a much better understanding of the force now and you know we talked about how the the whole sequence at the sanctuary was very similar to the end of the mandalorian with like that shootout and stuff but we also see this very similar situation from the mandalorian season one um where grogu saves din um and of course the first instance of that was with the mudhorn in what is that episode two of the season one of the Mandalorian. Yep. And we see that situation play out here as well with the, I I don't know their technical name, but the droids and then also the Rancor. Um, We see Grogu saved in in both of those situations and (laughs) he does it calmly and uh, really powerfully. I loved the first instance where he saved in from the, the droid and he, all he does is take out like one bolt from the leg of the droid with the force and it completely changes the game that's like all that needed to happen and he wasn't he wasn't super emotional about it like he was able to confront the situation and do what needed to be done without kind of panicking and i think we see this really emphasize in how he handles the situation with the Rancor. He just puts the Rancor to sleep. He calms the Rancor down rather than like hurting the Rancor, which we know a Force user can do. And we know that Grogu can do that. We saw him do that in Season 1 of The Mandalorian when they were with people that Grogu thought was going to harm Din. He used the Force to hurt them and remember then mm-hmm. it's like no 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 stop that stop that <laughs> um, and like <laughs> it's okay and he he does that with the fire too he's able to push back the fire like these are really intense things that grogu is doing um and we talked about it then of like he didn't like he's a child he doesn't know what he's doing and this is all part of why grogu actually did need to meet up with luke again with another force user to have training and i think it's part of why we can say that like Ahsoka's. um her conversation in season two of the Mandalorian about not training Grogu was perhaps a mistake because we know that Grogu, even though he had kind of subdued his capabilities in the Force, he was still very like, he could still use the force in a very powerful way. So it didn't to, to leave him kind of untrained, uh, unable to communicate with Din would maybe not be the best choice. And so his time with Luke was useful. It was necessary. And, you know, I'm sure, I don't think Grogu is completely, you know, quote unquote, trained now. So I don't know what happens next for him. But, you know, I I just I loved his scene with the rancor of, you know, being able to calm him by not hurting him. Because we've seen many a Star Wars story that has not gone in that direction. And, of course, the one I always think about that rips my heart out is the Zillow Beast from Clone Wars. And the Jedi were very much a part Mm -hmm. of the death of the Zillow beast. And yeah. uh, that's a really hard episode to watch. If you've never watched it, it's a really intense episode and um, mm-hmm. it's really sad too. And so, and you have the same thing of a Zill- the Zillow beast destroying Coruscant. This, I believe it's on Coruscant, but yeah, it's destroying this thing. Yeah. And the Jedi are very much a party to the death of the Zillow beast. I think it's the last Zillow beast <laughs> ever in the galaxy. It's really sad. Um, And so then to see the Rancor here, you know, destroying the city, um, but to see a Jedi, a Force user, Grogu, you know, just alleviate the situation. Um, I think that, like, we've talked about this a lot with Grogu and Din about what their paths forward are. What's the third path of, you know... Is it right for Din—like, does Din ultimately want or need to be, you know, the best Mandalorian? And does Din need to—or Grogu need to be this tried-and-true definition of a Jedi? No, there's that third choice because both of those kind of organizations have fatal flaws to them. And part of their fatal flaws, I think, are isolation. With Din, it's, you know, complete— Uh, And an anonymity through wearing a mask and for the Jedi like we've learned this through attachments and things like that. And so by putting them together, and this path forward this third path, what we hopefully see and this will be through trial and error because they're not perfect characters and no story is perfect but them like taking the best parts of who they are as Mandalorian and force user and carving that path forward together and being able to make change in the galaxy um, while also being a family and I think that's so important and I think that's something we see kind of referenced in a series like Rebels where they are the ghost crew the family they call themselves a family but I really think we're seeing it here too in the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett but like really through these two characters of Jin and Grogu.
0: I totally agree with everything that you just said. I just want to comment on the snuggle, which I think was the <laughs> cutest thing ever. I know you just, you had a lot of really great things to say and you I couldn't have said it better than you. So I'm just, I'm just going to comment on the snuggle, yes. <laughs> which could not have been cuter. I think we know that Grogu gets just so tired when he uses the Force, <laughs> which is just so cute. And the fact that he had an Ezra moment, let's be honest, yeah. of... um of connecting with the rancor we're going to talk about the rancor in a second but the the sort of this feeling of calming the rancor to sleep and then also going up to it and touching it on the nose and then snuggling oh, up to my it God, i mean the choices made in this episode sometimes i'm just like astounded with all the right moves that they make with Grogu (laughs) I feel like there could be a lot of wrong moves and instead it is always the right move for me (laughs) like they really nail this character for me and it is so good like there's the snuggle was just so adorable there's been some gifts that I think have been floating around the internet lately of when Grogu is in Din's arms he's Mm -hmm. Holding, holding his hands, finger, holding. and Din is also holding back and like stroking his. It's just the cutest thing that ever existed. I
1: can't handle this. Okay? The snuggle is like next level. I just, uh, like, I know. I really <laughs> could not handle it. <laughs> I know. I, think the I know. Snuggle only is only bested by Din and Grogu in the Naboo Starfighter at mm-hmm. the end Uh with when he has the ball he gives him back the ball <laughs> I know. the fact that he's been holding it and then gives it to him like immediately it just, just like... like it's on his person it's not like in the ship like he's got it with him <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's perfect so Um yeah with the the tapping on the glass it just mm-hmm. it's so effective how they're able to like have Grogu communicate to everyone else <laughs> since he doesn't talk it's just it's beautiful. It's so good. The snuggle, truly, the snuggle is perfect. I really might be a top five grogu moment really for me. Be, be real. It really might be. It really might be. I think. So I think good. them in the ship and the snuggle might be top five moments for me. Like two in one episode. <laughs> it's pretty intense.
0: Totally, and uh, I think that part, like there was so there's so much love that I felt in this episode about like m- moments like that that were just really nice and made me smile um and i think that a lot of that was robert rodriguez honestly i think another one that made me smile was any scene with pelly in the major domo oh my god um they have a history of being like both those two actors are in shows a lot together so it sort of made sense that they kind of shoved them together in this because it's kind of an in joke uh but Everything with Pelly from her losing her tooth and then her having this chemistry with the major domo. I was it was great. I loved
1: it. I want to see them like better the city together, like take on projects. Like I need a, a love it or list it show with Pelly and the major domo. Right, and I I actually
0: really I've we've liked the major domo as a character for a long time. He's so funny. I think that he's a very like physical actor with his hands and everything. It's so good. Yeah. I think it was hilarious when Boba basically wrote like an FU note to the Pikes and he distributed it. I mean, like the fact that that was in the show is so funny (laughs) to me (laughs) and I just loved it. And I think that it it was so good because it really showed the majordomo's own arrogance into delivering a message and then having to, like, stand there and take that. It was so good. <laughs> it was really funny to me. Again, that was just another moment that just made me smile in this episode. And I felt like I really needed to smile in this episode. Not that, like, anything else was super depressing, but, like, it was a really good ending to me. It made me- Like, so many moments made me feel really good in this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. I did want to touch on... We haven't talked about the mods in this episode. And it was great to have them back in the fight, in the thick of it. Um, I love them. Yeah, they're, they're really fun. And they're just so, you know intense (laughs) but they're still young and so it's kind of funny how intense they are about things you know i think in the beginning in the sanctuary and i can't remember his name but um the one with the eye the the other main uh mod with drash um when he is like no, we're not going to leave the city. Here's what we're going to do. And Drash is like, yeah, these people need us to like stay and fight for them. (laughs) And Boba's like, okay, all right, cool. Sounds good. Whatever your plan is, you can go with that. (laughs) And then when they're like cornered in the back. But anyway, I think one of my other favorite moments um, was when I'm pretty sure Drash fell in love with Fennec. And when she saved them and she just like looks up at Fennec with like stars in her eyes. And I was like, I know Drash is thinking – I want to be her when I grow up like that's the vibe Mm -hmm. I got Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. (laughs) she was like oh that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life and, like, same. <laughs> <Okay>. so <laughs> I thought it was so yeah. great because we haven't really... Like, they've interacted, but this was, like, just a Fennec and Drash moment that I really loved. And what I thought uh-huh. was cool, too, is, like, Fennec saves the mods in that instance by sharpshooting from above. And that's what Drash does at the end of the episode. Like, she's the one that makes the plan with the people of Freetown mm-hmm. at the end to go up and basically be the sharpshooter from above. And I was, like, I, I kind of liked that that she was you know that Josh paid attention and like was like took what Fennec showed them and applied it in real time and ended up being the one um well I guess they the Rancor showed up so but like her plan was good it was a good it plan. was, a good, it was plan. a good plan and but then yeah oh my god the the woman from Freetown and Josh they have chemistry I was it, like it was off the chart it, <laughs> <laughs> it was immediate it was. I mean, yeah, the whole like city folk versus the country folk. Even, I was like, even the three of them, like the other mod guy, Drash <laughs> and the woman from Freetown, I was like, the sexual tension between all three of you right now <laughs> needs to be like a a drama, a dramedy series for me personally.
0: <laughs> like, yeah,
1: I would love it. But yeah, especially Drash and the girl at the end and them like, here we go. And like, good luck. And um. Yeah, it was I was like this is why we need a season two because
0: these characters I'm not talking about the woman from Freetown. I'm really talking about like the family that was formed from in like the Boba Fett Castle now has a has a lot to share. Like we see obviously we see them being desperate for like a job, something that would enrich their life earlier yeah. in um in the season. And then now we see them when Boba takes them in, in a surprising move. And now we see them really look up to both Boba and Fennec, which I think is really cool. You're right. Like, that was a moment that there was a sort of roundabout character arc there, which was great. And I think that we need more because I, I think we're, we're like, this is a really cool, like, family, this crime family. This is super cool. And I want to see uh, Drash learn from Fennec. I want to, I, I just, I really liked it. And we need a season two.
1: Yeah, I'll co sign that. Good, good, good. (laughs) All right. Let's- okay, let's talk about the Rancor, because we haven't talked about the talk Rancor. Gotta talk about you and your Rancor. Why my my Rancor? Well, I feel like you every episode, you've been like, Boba's going to be on the Rancor.
0: It was really, really cool to see Boba riding in on the Rancor. I think they did a really good job with the reveal, too, with the camera. You don't actually see him on the Rancor's back until, like, 15 to 20 seconds into the shot of the Rancor with the with the hand. It was very Jurassic Park, very Godzilla, very King Kong, um, very Zillow Beast. <laughs> and. <laughs> Like Caitlin mentioned before, I think it was really good because we had a sense that that was going to happen at some point. Um, I really wish that Boba had named the Rancor, but initially I think that there was this sense that we were going – like the Rancor was going to be on our side. So, again, it made sense that Grogu, like, didn't hurt the Rancor if somehow he intuitive, intuitively knew not to do that you know it, it made sense to me because the rancor is on our side he's just a beast that imprinted on on boba so boba is that's all he master, is just right? a
1: beast that imprinted on boba <laughs> oh he's not that's not
0: all he is, he is oh, it's just
1: funny how you phrase that and also living, like can you imagine talking being... to us like five years ago being like boba gets imprinted like a rancor imprints on boba in a show all about boba fett with a tiny yoda it's <laughs> just yeah sometimes... it's great i literally
0: <laughs> Sometimes I'm like wow I, you're so right like here we are talking about seven episodes of this show that is like both wacky and wonderful and some of the elements of it as it builds upon like a larger story with the Mandalorian which is about a armored man with his like green baby I mean what the heck
1: <laughs> it's just it's, it's truly ridiculous like <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous like in,
0: in the best way yeah. it's just one of those things that I just would have never predicted and I sometimes have to remind myself that because it's just wonderful.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, The only other flaw in this whole Rancor reveal is that there was no more Danny Trejo. Yeah, what the heck? (laughs) That makes me sad. (laughs) Me
0: too, me too. But I have to say, okay, so the moment that the, um, the robot killers were ascending on the city, right? Yeah. This is just one of those occasions. that I don't know the technical term, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> um, but I super cool that they're from the Attack of the Clones concept art. It was a mm-hmm. reused concept. And if, if you didn't know that, it's super cool to me, um, which makes a lot of sense because it is pretty evocative of that time period, I think. Uh, it looks like a battle droid even, just like somehow even bigger. It reminded me of um, the... The sort of the the Walker droids that Anakin and Ahsoka had to always deal with in the Clone Wars. And I was
1: I was like, the, just go under them. That's what you got. That's into. exactly yeah. what I
0: thought too. <laughs> to the point where I was like, just go under them, just slide just under like, them, just get like, yourself do that. under and a then, box. And, yeah, and then the moment when Din tried to do that, it was like, oh, this is different. We've evolved as a technolo- as technology. But he wasn't. So, he
1: wasn't under a box. That was the difference. Right. <laughs>
0: I, that's what I thought too. It's so funny that you say that because I was like, okay, so how are how are they going to slip like a grenade under? <laughs> I
1: was like that's what they no. I so I thought that, and then I was like, wait, no, they've got to turn off the source because I think that's what Anakin and Ahsoka ultimately did. This is like yeah. this is the Clone Wars movie that they yeah like, yeah, like, yeah yeah <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they had to do both. Like they went underneath, like through the tracking field, but then uh, or the force field, and then they had to go and turn off the switch, like the main switch. <laughs>
0: The master, the master switch yeah <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I thought the same thing and but then it was obviously gonna be a different way so yeah. which I, I, yeah, I approve of it, yeah. we're further in the timeline and everything Fine. but it's funny how like that was my first thought I was right. like guys this is so easy and then when he pulled this. when he pulled out the dark saber I was like okay it's over yeah but it wasn't
1: I, I honestly <laughs> when he pulled that out I was like oh my god I forgot he had that <laughs>
0: Yeah, me too, (laughs) me too. Because I was like, they just need a lightsaber or something. Like, it's fine. They'll make quick work of it. Like, (laughs) you have a weapon. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, it's so funny. Yeah. Um. Anyway, what was presented suddenly wasn't this foe of like pikes versus the town. It was man versus machine. Yep. And then that was, which is great. That is so Star Wars, right? It's It's present in Attack of the Clones. It's present in. Revenge of the Sith it is present in Return of the Jedi probably most notably with the Ewoks and that is something that George has explored forever and it's just always every time it's used in Star Wars it works for me and I think that even just to get back to the Rancor the Rancor going head to head with the robot droid killer made made a lot of sense because this was the Rancor is an image of Boba's own castle his domain going up against the um the droid makes perfect sense. So many things in the like plotting of the city and how this battle would happen. I'm just imagining, um, John, Dave and Robert around like an actual, uh, yeah, a map, um, 3d model, a, a 3d model. Yes. Mapping this all out. And all of these decisions make, made a lot of sense to me. It really worked for me.
1: Yeah, I think it was on on kind of every front, it was the nature winning out over technology. And I thought that was really great. Like the Rancor, like you've talked about, of course. And then we have Grogu um, and like the, you know, not like a weapon being used, not like a lightsaber, like killing the Rancor or striking him down. Um, And then at the end, Boba and Cad with the gaffy stick from the, the Tuscans, too, which when we were in those episodes, the Tuscans were talking to Boba about how they didn't know how to use that kind of technology, like with blasters and stuff like that. They actually, they did have um, like sniper blasters, um, right? Mm-hmm. They would use those. But like with the speeders and everything, um, that was technology that they weren't as comfortable using quite yet until Boba taught them how, just like they taught him. So I just think it was kind of yeah, on kind of every the large scale and the small scale battles, it was not it wasn't even the dark saber that won. And I think that's a good distinction, especially when we're thinking about like the Jedi and Grogu and Din and like the Mandalorian Jedi and like what the Dark Saber represents, is that it wasn't the weapon of the Jedi that brought victory. It was the like the force side of the Jedi, what we would consider like the the calmer or like the i guess what should be the representation of like love in the jedi and compassion yeah yeah, yeah yeah thank you um compassion from the jedi and that was what made the difference it wasn't you know the darksaber helped but it's not what saved them
0: totally and i just feel like a lot of really good decisions happened in this episode one decision I really didn't agree with was the disappearance of Fennec in the episode. Um, I was pretty disappointed by that. I think we've discussed how epic it was that she just took all those guys out. It really was epic, but it came at the cost of her being absent for like 20 minutes. At least that's what it felt like. I think it
1: was longer, honestly. It, like most it was really
0: long. It was really long. And I we got a cool battle of two Mandalorians fighting next to each other on the jetpack, which was so cool. I didn't mention that. The two of them using the jetpacks. I thought that tech looked really good, by the way, but it came at the expense of Fennec not being there, and I just was sad about that. I think that in this show, Fennec didn't have a lot of screen time and didn't have a lot to say and makes me sad because I think that they were marketed as the two co-leads of the series and yeah, I would have liked to see more. So this is another reason why we need a season two because I need more Fennec. And I think that I have said that I didn't fully trust her or like, I wouldn't be surprised if she, I would be surprised, but like there's a possibility that she could betray um, Boba if there was a sort of betrayal situation that was happening. Um, And she didn't, So I wish that she was more a part of it, I guess. Like, maybe there would have – if there was a reveal that she was, like, part of something larger, maybe I would have understood why she was sort of in the shadows a little bit. But um, that didn't happen, and I was a little disappointed by that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's almost what I thought because when she jetted off after saving Drash and the other mods, I – you know, it was, like, ten minutes later, and I was like, wait, where – where is she? (laughs) What is she doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we don't see her till the very end. And I I almost thought that there was going to be this reveal that she had actually been working with the Pikes and was coming in with more reinforcements or something like that. I was like that. I feel like that would explain some of this absence, but it didn't end up being that way. And it is disappointing because like you said, she was marketed as the co-lead and she definitely didn't feel like the co-lead. And I think she had a really great um, conversations with Boba about their perspective and like their morals on what to do and what not to do. And they had a lot of really great banter, especially especially in episode one. And then, of course, episode four was like the Boba and Fennec episode, I think. but. Yeah, it's just it's a it's disappointing. And I wish she had been in it way more than she ultimately was because she's such a cool character design. Number one, like her helmet is and her braid is God tier, quite honestly. Um, but she's just such an interesting character too. And and even like her whole situation with Cad, and you know, we've talked about how it feels like there could have been reference to the Bad Batch at least once or twice. And Fennec would have been a good avenue for that too, considering her history with the Bad Batch. Um, Anyway, there there just could have been more done with her character and it absolutely is why we need a season two to really have more time with her and with Boba Fett and to really see them as a team and what their next conflict is going to be, like their next external or internal conflict.
0: Totally, yeah. Uh, The Fennec disappointment, was large for me. I was also disappointed that no Tuscan survived mm-hmm. the massacre. Uh, I really held out hope there and I was proven wrong. And I, I'm sad about that.
1: Yeah, um, me
0: too. I think that that could have been handled with a lot more care. It's pretty clear that it affected Boba. Um, but I, I'm i just disappointed by it because I don't know about you, Caitlin, but episode two, chapter two, was my favorite Boba Fett episode. So yeah. I really was holding out hope that they would come back so or just at least one would come back.
1: Yeah, it feels like again it feels like there could have been room for that honestly. Um even when when Cad Bane was like I know how to lure Boba Fett out, I almost wondered like if they had like kidnapped some of the Tuscans and were going to like taunt Boba with some of his family still being alive, you know? Um I Thought that could happen, you know, even talking about Fennec, maybe she could have been going to go get, like, she actually had heard word that some of the Tuskins had survived and thought that Boba would be too soft if he knew that, you know, like, it, it could have gone a lot of different directions and it didn't have to be that way, uh, like, what ended up happening with them. So it could have been done with a lot more care and we could have had survivors too. So that is a disappointment and um, the season as a whole. But that being said, there still could be room to change those storylines in the future also. So I hope that happens. Um, But yeah, definitely a disappointment for the first season, I would say. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so I think we're nearing the end of our finale discussion. And I want to share that I thought that it was so cool that the end theme of this series changed to have actual words with the Boba Fett song <laughs> it was so cool when I heard it I was like this is awesome the fact that they did this that they changed it that it I don't know it made me excited because man that is such a bop everyone it was awesome
1: everyone online and in our discord was like wait wait have I Did it always it? have words but everyone was like I've <laughs> not been listening to this the whole time and we were all like no wait no 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 it's new <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so cool I think the music in the show was really, really oh, well done. Year. Actually, it really was, and I think this like cherry on top of the season with this like slight change in the the finale music was really cool to me. The credit, the credit music,
1: I should say. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that Star Wars has never disappointed me in, it's the music. It's always so like, true. It's You know, we always talk about how, you know, not every Star Wars has to be your favorite. Not every Star Wars even has to be the best Star Wars. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the music is always the best. Like, I don't care what thing you're in. (laughs) It's always so good.
0: I totally agree. Like, the music in every single Star Wars, you're right. It is top tier. It always is top tier. And... I am always astounded by how Star Wars music and the people who come into Star Wars to make new music on top of John Williams' own music continue to change and push it forward and make it still feel so Star Wars, like this entire series did.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible and it's an amazing feat <laughs> to be quite honest. So what did you, what did you
0: think of this series overall?
1: I thought it was really fun. And
0: can you even even judge it yet?
1: I mean, I think there are definitely things that I think could have been done better, like we discussed. I think even, we talked about this last week, but the naming of it as the Book of Boba Fett, I think that is something that maybe wasn't the wisest choice, considering, you know, 30% of the series was focused on different characters. But... Again, I'm still thinking that we're going to see a bigger picture here in a couple of years. So I'll kind of reserve critique on that component for a little longer. So I do think we need time to kind of judge the series as a whole and how it kind of fits into the whole Manoverse. But overall, I really love the book of Boba Fett. It surprised me in its humor. Episode two, some of my all-time favorite Star Wars. I think now, like, that episode was so great. Um, I'm still thinking about it. like. The lizard, I, <laughs> just incredible. Never forget. Never, Never forget. forget. Just absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, I I had such a good time with this episode. It made me laugh a lot more than I thought it would. It gave me a lot to think about with Boba Fett as a character. Getting Cad Bane in this was incredible. He was such a formidable force that I honestly, I didn't see him coming at all. Um and even like our, our scenes, our episodes with Luke and Din and Grogu, I thought were really well done and really, really pushed forward their stories in a really big way, I think. Um, so I, all in all, I really love the book of Boba Fett. And I really hope that we get a season two and there is opportunity to build off of the things that the threads that I don't feel were closed up as well as they could have been in this season. And I think a season two would... Allow for those really cool story plots to be continued.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me, the series as a whole, I think in the beginning of the series, I was like, I think I like this more than The Mandalorian because it knows what it is. And I think my my um my thought has kind of refocused a little bit because I still think that it knew what it was, but I don't know if when I made that comment, I knew exactly what it was, <laughs> if that makes sense. I think that um, this show knows that it is an extension of The Mandalorian, and I I don't know. I feel like that it, I, it's hard for me to say now if I agree with my past self about whether I like this more than The Mandalorian. I really enjoyed watching it, though, so maybe I did. Uh, only time will tell about where it sits for me. Um but I don't know. The series really did it for me. I really enjoyed it. Every single episode I really liked. So it's, uh, I'm going to miss waking up every Wednesday morning and watching it. I really am. Uh, I, I always do miss that period of time. So now we have <laughs> a, a countdown
1: <laughs> we have until bad, bad Kenobi. At some point, Kenobi True. and Andor all quickly yeah. coming down the line. We're, we'll be good. I know.
0: I just don't think the waking up early and watching a new Star Wars basically mini movie is ever going to get old for me. And the thing that I took into Boba Fett was like basically negative expectations. I really just wanted to be surprised by the character and what they were going to do with the character. And I feel like I was uh, almost fully in the fact that he ended up from like point A to Z, like I mentioned, of becoming... A person who rules with respect. I don't think the trailers lied in that at all. Yeah, And I think that um, we had all these theories about whether Boba was going to be a sort of messiah figure who comes back from the dead. I think that happened. It happened in a different way than maybe I had envisioned. But like, that's the beauty of watching Star Wars is I want to be surprised and delighted. And this concept of like Boba going through a healing journey, I don't think we're fully there, but I do get a sense of something we're on the, we're on the finished track. yeah some i think that something obviously he's done with the back to tank stuff so like that's a physical healing journey and then there's the comment about the scars inside you know <laughs> <laughs> will those ever be healed that was was so oh, on the nose <laughs> yeah and i think we're still working through those and i i don't know i really enjoyed this ride i really liked the new characters i think I was really surprised by Tatooine and how much I enjoyed being on this planet. Um, so I don't think I could have asked for anything more beyond my critique about Fennec and the Tuscans. And water. Uh, To me, it was, it was top. Yeah, and the water. We need the water. I think that's going to come back I later. I too. really, I really do. Right?
1: Like, it's so heavy-handed in the front half of the series. I feel like it's gotta.
0: Yeah. So... And I think that, um, Boba still has to wrestle with the concept of his, like what his past was with his father and like him being a clone. I think there's a lot there that still needs to be explored, but I'm willing to be patient. I don't think this is going to be the last time we see Tam as Boba Fett either. So, or like any clone to be honest. So I think there's a lot of, um, lot of potential, but I feel very satisfied by this series. And I honestly I think I would give it an A in my grade. I I really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It was yeah. It was a lot of fun. Maybe A minus for Fennec and the Tuscans. But yeah. Yeah. Overall an A. Um Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I'm looking forward to more. I really hope there's more because honestly Ming and Tem are such treats on screen, especially more Morrison, it's just overwhelmed by how much I loved his performance of Boba Fett. So I really hope this isn't the last time that we get to see him in this role. So yeah, I had a really good time with the series and I'm excited to hear all your questions that you have, all of the things that we've forgotten about <laughs> over the course <laughs> of the past seven episodes. I know there have been a number of them, so uh, ask away and we'll get to talk about all of them.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Please send in some
1: questions by Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, February 15th. uh, And you can email them to us at hello at skytalkers.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at skytalkerspod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. But I think that is going to wrap up our episode this week. Thank you guys so much for listening and for joining in on this journey through Boba Fett. It's certainly been a journey for Charlotte and I, as you know, our whole history with Boba Fett is quite convoluted. (laughs) So to finally make it here has been such a, a treat and to get to talk about it every week is always so much fun and we love doing it. So thank you all for listening. And I hope you guys had a good time with Boba Fett too and are looking forward to the next thing that's coming down the pipeline. And it looks like Looks like it's Kenobi, as far as we know. Let's go. It's like, no, we're, yeah. I mean, It's like I feel like we're still on Tatooine. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> they, they planned
0: this this is all on yeah purpose. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, anyway you can find us on twitter at all of the handles i just mentioned or on our instagram or you can email us uh, like we mentioned earlier we have our website skytalkers.com and we also have a tiktok page where you can find us there too and if you haven't left us a review yet on itunes we would really love if you took a couple seconds to go and do that we had a couple of reviews come in last week both on itunes and spotify and it truly just made charlotte night's day it's always the best thing ever it's like better than a cup of coffee quite honestly it's the biggest (laughs) truly so thank you so much if you did leave us a review we really really appreciate it and if you would like other ways to support us you can head on over to our patreon and check out our different reward tiers there
0: Yes, and I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons: Allie, Sophia, Jackson, BB, Nate, Daz, Andrew, Demi, Colton, Amy, Shelby, Ian, Brad, Neil. Last points: Danny, Aaron, and Savannah. Thank you so much for supporting us.
1: Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you.
0: May the force be with you.